Hi there, and thank you ever so much for tuning into this week's edition of Tellage Talks. A little bit of housekeeping right at the beginning. If you would not mind, head to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate us five stars. I would really, really appreciate that if you can. It kind of keeps our name out there and allows us to continue the fun work of doing this podcast. So this week, we're talking to Mike McLaughlin. He is the head soccer coach at St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio. And they are successful. They are so successful out on the soccer field. It is absolutely incredible. They've won 80% of their games. He has coached them over the course of his career. He's been a coach at the school 28 years, 25 of them as the head coach. They have won nine state championships, five national titles, and Mike's teams have won national team academic awards 21 years in a row and 32 different types of organizational awards for coach of the year have gone to Mike McLaughlin. He is quite simply one of the best coaches that you will find in any sport anywhere in the country. He is that good. And for many years, up until very recently, he was the head, he was the chair of the theology department at the high school. Now he is continuing to do his longtime role as the sophomore service director at the school. Interesting roles that he has, and very interesting that he has taught theology for all these years. We dove into that. We dove into how he coaches. And of course, we talked about the sport of soccer. It was a great conversation. Very happy I had the chance to really sit down with Mike and get inside his head about how he deals with young kids on the soccer field and how he he deals with these kids as well in making them more productive members of society and think about others before they think about themselves. Hope you enjoy it. Here's our chat with Mike. Mike, you've been very successful here with the soccer program. You've been teaching for many, many years, but I'm also interested in kind of peeling back the layers. How, what specific decisions do you think you made earlier in your upbringing that brought you to St. Ignatius and at the point in life that you are at right now? So I went here, so I graduated from here in 1985, and I distinctly remember walking in the the back quad area where now Murphy Gym is located, (laughs) and it was a parking lot. And I remember thinking, boy, it it would be neat to come back here someday to be a a teacher and a coach and a priest. And those are my thoughts. And I, you know, I was a 16, 17-year-old kid. And so... Um, and then you go and you dream about a whole, but you know, a lot of different things as you go throughout life. Um, but so many years later to look back and to realize, okay, so I'm a teacher and a coach, but, uh, <laughs> but I actually discerned priesthood and I, you know, did some things. I went up and visited up at the, the Jesuit novitiate and, and looked into possibly being a priest, but I, I, I did the spiritual exercises in 1994, which is a 30 day silent retreat that St. Ignatius created okay. 500 years ago. And it, it really helps you discern what path God is calling you to walk down. And it was, I, I got to go out to California up in a Jesuit Spanish retreat house up in the mountains. And it was during those 30 days that it was really clear that God said, you're not on this earth to be a priest, um, to go and to have How a family. How did you detect and, that? What, 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 what? Um, 
the way the the retreat works is that you you really you're silent every day and so you meet with a priest in the morning for about five minutes and uh after that you go and you, you pray and you think and you're not stuck in a meditative state all day but um you just you 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 quiet yourself so that you can hear God moving you in directions. Okay. And so it's more an effort to, to really listen to God, um, not in a vocal sense, but just in a in a in in your soul, kind of pushing you in a direction. And so it was about a week and a half into the retreat that I, I felt it as clear as anything I've ever felt that I, this is why I'm on the earth, to, to, to be a father and to be a teacher and to be a coach and to be a husband and... And so, yeah, it was a really wonderful thing to know and to feel. Well, let's go back there. You're 16, 17 years of age. How does a 16, 17-year-old young man even quiet himself? Just taking into account the fast-paced world that we live in and and you lived in at that time in your life. And so when I did the retreat, I was was out of college. So it was in 1994 that I did that. But I had been teaching here for four years. And so, you know, I was a 25-year-old and even... They they sometimes think it's you're too young to go on that retreat when you're 25 because it's hard to quiet yourself. It's hard to to know just spiritually be mature enough to realize what what's going on. And so, but yeah, I, I, but I I think everybody has their their own makeup, the way they were born. And I, I feel like I was I'm more of a you know uh, whatever just more of a reflective type of person. That's my nature, I think. And so so I I. I think that that's I've always kind of had an awareness of um, God being around me and, mm-hmm. and trying to, to to help me move through this world so. and and so you know, I was a little off in the timing there so I apologize so you had been out of school out of college and then you took that time to really uh, think deeply as to whether or not this would be something being a priest would be something you want correct right yeah so yeah, and so and it it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be so and I'm glad I knew it you know and I'm glad I explored it and um, and I'm glad I I'm married and I'm glad I have kids and I'm glad I you know have the job that I have so so what happened between the time uh, uh, that you made the discernment that you know, priesthood would not be the thing and then when you started coaching here you came here to the school and started coaching yeah so i started teaching here in 91 92 okay and so i taught here for three four years and then i went on the retreats yeah okay and then you know but i had also been coaching i'd been teaching theology and i was the assistant soccer coach and um and so i actually i was able to come in i was in the peace corps in the philippines and I came home, and I came here to say hello to everybody. And it just so happened that Jim Skrull was taking a leave of absence for a year to do a sabbatical. And you you know Jim. I think you'd met Jim before. And uh, and so there was an opening for a year. And I said, heck, yeah, I'll take it. And then I met with Doc Niddle, who was the soccer coach. And he said, yeah, sure, come on. You can help me out. And, you know, little did I know that it would lead to where I am today. And so um, and after Jim Skrull you know, he was coming back. I'm like, ah, you know, I, what's going to happen? But fortunately, they, they, they kept me on board. And so, <laughs> but yeah, so it's been, yeah, 20 some years, 28 some years. And so I, this was my 25th year as the head soccer coach. And so it's been wonderful. How would you, how do you think you've changed your style as, as a coach? And does that pertain at all to what you teach in theology? Are they kind of connected or no? Or? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I see my main role as as someone that's to help t- 
teenagers navigate life. Okay. On the soccer field, in the classroom, in the hallways, uh, on the weekends, whatever. And so I, that's what I feel called. That that's that's been my my task in the world. And so, um, so I think. Um, tell me the the first phase of the question again. Sorry. Just uh, the kind of how uh, can they go hand in hand? The the immersing yeah, yourself in change. theology. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, I think the way things have how I've grown is. You know, I, I, when I began coaching, it was a lot about X's and O's and a lot about okay. uh, tactics and thinking that was the, the the key thing that I had to focus on. But it, clearly over the years, X's and O's are important, but it's more about the people and it's more about understanding and having relationships with your, your students and your players and your colleagues. And, and so that's overwhelmingly clear. And I, I find myself more of a a psychologist than a soccer coach you know okay. and, which is wonderful and it's a neat position to be in and you know a lot of kids want to talk a lot of kids uh, have fun and enjoy their days but there are a lot of kids who who carry burdens with them and you know challenges that they need someone to talk with and to be with and to help guide through those situations so I think that's been kind of the evolution for me is um, that that's taken more of a, a front seat than than the X's and O's and the X and O's are we, I'm always trying to keep up to speed with everything sure. but um, and then how that connects to the the classroom it's the same you think you walk into a classroom and man I really have to make sure this kid understands this theory um, and it's important um, but it's also really important that that this kid knows that you're in the room trying to help him grow as a human being and that you really care about him as a as a human and and his happiness and his success in life and i think once they get a sense that there's a trust that that that's why you are in the position you're in i think kids then are more apt to to open up and to mm -hmm. to want to give you know to the to that cause are there some cases where you try to reach a kid and it and it's difficult <laughs> oh yeah uh, and and how do you do how do you what do you have to do to kind of get that individual to be more open, to be more productive on the field or whatever? Yeah, so we're lucky being older that you realize that, you know, you have a lot time to do things and time is a great helper with a lot of things. And so, um, right, a lot of times the seed is planted. And I think if you talk to alums here that's something that they'll say is that, yeah, boy, this teacher said something to me when I was a sophomore. Yeah. When I was, you know, 27, the light bulb went on like, yes, he was right. <laughs> and so I, I think a lot of that happens. And so, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, sometimes my own kids don't hear what I have to say, you know, but in the classroom, I think one of the, the gifts of me that I've taken from the school is that when I was a student here, I remember for the first time looking at my teachers and thinking, uh, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I want to be like him. Okay. You know, and I that that I respect that man. I like that man. You know, or her that gal, and and that I first started to look into people and see what I admired. Okay. And so, and I hope uh, you know that students can that they see that as well, and that they see us as stable. And it, regardless of, you know, we're going to be consistently present every day to help them through this path. And 
and some days they're going to be cooperative along the path <laughs> and some days you know they're, they're wrestling with a lot of issues in life and and they're going to be difficult and that's part of an adolescent too and that's it's that's a developmental <laughs> process that sure. you know kids want to go up against authority and and so i think the, the all of us that do this for a living you, you don't take it personally and you know that this is just part of them trying to to test and and to to see who really cares about them who's going to keep coming back even if there's a little bit of an issue or challenge so when you started coaching mike you you mentioned earlier about you were very much x's and o's and not thinking about the trying to connect on that that personal level uh with with some of your 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 young um, student athletes um was there or were there figures of aside from perhaps the parents uh, figures in your early development that that you appreciated how they tried to connect with you as an athlete as a student the kind of parts of what they in envisioned for you as a grown person are coming to vogue yeah. coming coming into fruition here yeah so my colleagues here just watching the way jim Skirl interacted with mm -hmm. kids and, and and jim was a big fan of the soccer program and so we talked all the time about how things are going and he'd come on bus trips and he was always at the games and he would always stand behind our bench along the fence on West 28th street. And he would never come in and sit in the stands. He would stand behind the fence because he wanted the view of the coaches and the view of the players. And he wanted to be close to the, to the real heart of the action on the bench and listen to kids. And so, and I would always talk to Jim about when things were going well, when things were rough and, and he would, yeah, but it would always come back to relationships and it's about yep. relationships and that was the the beauty of all that Jim did with all the service programs here and at the core of them all is you're there to relate to people and to find ways to connect with people and so I think that was a big lesson and um, yeah and I had plenty of soccer coaches Doc Niddle was the head coach here he was my coach and then I was his assistant coach for several years and he was a wonderful man and and you know he was a an amazing Latin and Greek teacher who was just brilliant and and his halftime talks had little to do with soccer but he was quoting uh, Homer and you know just crazy stuff that and it, you know we you don't want to talk about soccer all the time you know you <laughs> want to be entertained as a kid you know it's so realizing that yeah just basically you learn that there's you can get bits and pieces from lots of different people and um and Players, students will always know, um, they know, they don't care how much you know, they care how much, they know how much you care. So that's the, the phrase that I, that has always stuck with me, so. Is there a template uh, for successful soccer program? Good kids, I mean, obviously, good kids that are attentive and want to be great. But is there a certain template or is, it, is that really being too basic and, and uh, it has to be individualized? So, yeah, I get, you know, we've had some success. It's been wonderful. And, but I'll get guys call me and email me. And I just got an email from some coach in Tennessee. He wants to talk about coaching soccer and he's new to it. And so it's neat. It's wonderful to, to, to have that. Um, but it's, people will always ask like, what are the key elements to your success? And hundred percent, you got to have good players. Like, yeah, I kind of figured that. that. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, we've done what we've done. One of the primary reasons is because we've had so many wonderful players and so I'm going to be the first to admit that and but then you got to know what to do with the players and 
and that's a big. Part well, I mean, of John Wooden had some wonderful players at UCLA, but he was a great coach, a yeah. great teacher, yeah. imparted his wisdom, his philosophy. So right. I guess that's what I'm getting at too. Yeah. So, so that's it. Um, and then it, it takes time to be allowed for a coach to kind of put their stamp on a program. And it's oftentimes a challenge in the sporting world, especially this, the youth sporting world, because um, I'm going to make mistakes as a coach. I'm going to have some good years and some bad years. And, but I think if a coach is constantly trying to develop and grow, then it's a good chance you're going to figure it out. And, and so I'm grateful that I had some challenges in my first few years here. Every coach does. And, but I'm grateful that Dale Gabor uh, was patient with me and gave me the freedom to, to continue to try to, to find my way. Um, and, and that doesn't always happen. You get a lot of parents that are running school boards and, you know, making decisions. And sure. so, so, so time, it was nice to be able to have time to learn. And then, um, I, you know, every sport is a subjective thing. And so what do I see as the right way to play soccer? Yeah. Um, so I have my views of the game and I've been lucky to travel all over the world and, and, you know, play at a high level and coach a lot of good players and, um, leaving for London tomorrow with the coaching staff. We're going on a, a nice four day trip to go meet the Chelsea youth coaches Sweet. and, um, so we're always doing things to grow as, as coaches. And so that's part of the template, but then it's also relationships. And, you know, over the years I've built relationships with coaches all over the country. And so to, to be on the national, uh, scene for high school soccer, you know, you make friends over the years and, uh, we travel around quite a bit and we play a lot of teams around. It's more of a regional national schedule now. Yeah. And so that's helped us to have, uh, a presence on the national stage, and and so, so it's but but yes, I've kind of and my coaching staff is another big part of it, and I I really need to stress. How the, many people on the staff? How do how do you work break it down? So we have currently um, it fluctuates between six to ten, you know, every year, and so we have three teams, okay. and every team has at least two coaches, and so I'm I'm really proud that every coach is a product is a graduate of the school. And not that that's mandatory, and it hasn't always been that way, but um, currently all of us are, there's nine of us on the staff right now, and all of us either, all of us played in the program, um, and we all played together, and now I've got a younger generation of coaches here that are amazing human beings and wonderful young men that our players connect with, and so I don't feel old, but I don't, I don't look old, but I've been doing this for 25 years, and the older you get, the less aware you are of the world of a 16, 17-year-old. And okay. so it's great to have, you know, 23-year-old recent college grads that played here that are also involved. And so currently, Yanni Saris and Phil Bazelli are two of our recent alums. And um, but so that's so our coaching staff is is critical because they're all in the building and they're with the kids every day. And so um, and every kid in the program can connect with at least one coach, you know, okay. like we're always around. And so I think that's been really critical. And, um, and then, uh, success breeds success. And so we've had a good run and we're having kids move on to a lot of big time colleges and in the professional ranks. And, and that's the soccer part of it. But then we have so many kids that are just wonderful young men that are going on to be great at whatever they do. And, and that from our program, my hope is that they understand that their participation in our program 
is about way more than just soccer. Yeah. And I, I really do believe that, that they get that and they hear that from all the coaches. And and so I'll let you, if you want to ask some things about that. Or, yeah, I well, uh, I think it's kind of cool that, first of all, you said your staff is all Ignatius. So these individuals on the staff were schooled here, understand getting along with each other, learning from, you know, uh, the subtleties of being a high school student athlete and being part of a team, something greater than yourself. And so I think that makes these coaches, these younger coaches that have come into your staff, they embody that as you once did when you were that young guy. Correct. And then now you're that wisened, seasoned veteran coach and you're – kind of overseeing how they're doing. But I think that it seems like a very natural progression yeah. uh, that maybe a, a lot of schools don't think about. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But no. it's been successful for you. It has. It really has. Right. And I, I think what you believe and what you think really shapes your day. And, you know, I think if you're brought up in a system and you're around this this ideal, this mission that we have here at the school, uh, for sure, it, it it shapes you, and it shapes everything that you do. And so I think we're lucky that, and and all of my coaches were all were different personalities. And you know, there's quiet guys, loud guys, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. talkers, quiet, whatever. But but I think at the end of the day, we're all moving in the right direction, in the same direction. And you know, we all love being here. We all really enjoy working with the kids, and we all want to help them grow closer to Christ, and 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 just g- realize that they're going to go out into the world and. Um, that it really matters most that they become great fathers and you know great sons and great husbands and great employees and you know all that stuff is what matters the most. So. How much uh, satisfaction do you get just teaching theology? It's the best, yeah. And why you know, is that? Uh, like I think about, I have friends that are salesmen. You know, they're out trying to sell stuff, and and. I think sometimes when I hear what people are selling, I think, man, that would be tough to sell. You know, like, I wouldn't want to have to sell that. And I think, though, like, I'm a salesman, you know. Yeah. We're trying to sell, which is even harder, to sell a belief. Like, there's no tangible benefit. Yeah, it's it's not a good or a a piece of goods that you buy at the store. Correct, yeah. And so, but, but... this is an amazing age of development uh, of 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid because I really, in the human being, there is a desire to be good and there's a desire to connect with God. I really believe it. And and I think when it's presented to kids in a genuine way, um, it's it's wonderful to see kids who the world is attacking with all kinds of pressure and media and just trying to lure them in directions that that aren't the right direction. And to see kids be able to find their footing here in the world and know what's right and what's good and what's truthful, I think that that's a, it's, it's, it's great. And cause it's a, it's a tricky world out there. And especially for a younger kid who doesn't know what's right and wrong yet. And so, mm-hmm. so that's, it's fun. And, and it's just neat to, to be, 50 but also to look through the the lens of a high school kid all it's you know like these kids they're funny they're they're just enjoyable to be around and yeah their perspectives and their views and their idiocy and all that stuff is you know it's 
it, it makes the day fun every day. So. And to kind of expand on what you said about the world is it, it, it's I was joking with Joe before we sat down with you, Mike, about, you know, it seems like the world's spinning even quicker than it normally does. And I was half joking, but in some ways with the pressures of social media, with all of the images that kids see, the tempting things, what have you, that uh, they're, they're, it's almost like they have to be those those uh, uh, knights with shining armor, you know, s with swords and slinging the bad things away from their lives. And you're one of the good things, good aspects of their lives that, that can teach them that there's more to life than just, you know, whether it's wins or losses or whether it's that that superficial thing that they think is kind of cool. Yeah, right, right. And it's yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful position to be in. And we, we have an amazing chaplaincy program here. I don't know if you've heard much about it, but uh, tell me what's it like? theology department teacher uh, Drew Valinsky, who's a graduate from the class of 97. Um, he created a chaplaincy program. And so every sports team has a chaplain. Um, and okay. you meet with your chaplain once a week for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, and, and so basically it's helping the players realize what they're doing with sport and what they're doing with everything, um, is really a way to grow closer to God. Okay. And normally that's not your normal view of a sport is that that's why you're participating and doing what you're doing. But, um, so it's a night, a, a good concept, but the way it's delivered by Drew Valinsky is incredible. And so I, I want to invite you back sometime to sit in on okay. one of his um, just a 15, 20 minute meeting with the team. And it's incredible to see. You'd think after school, these guys, they've already sat for, you know, seven hours. They want to be out on the field. But when when they work with Drew and meet with Drew, it's it's incredible uh, the way he shapes their, their thinking and their faith. And so um, so we're lucky in that way. Yeah, because the world is is definitely not pushing kids in that direction. And I think this is a, the, 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 the students here, they really feel that there's more to it than just a soccer experience. And I think that's why they, they love to be here. That's why they love to come back. And, and so I think that's all a part of what we're doing. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And the fact that when they go away, they always have this place in their heart and then they can speak of it when they're on that next level or the level even above that. Talk to me a little bit about just the satisfaction you get from seeing kids leave here and go on to the next level or a level above that and do well and represent the school in a great way. Yeah. I think the, the secret sauce of what <laughs> happens here at this school is that during a, a student's four years, they begin to have this sense that uh, that they're gifted, not better or worse than anybody, but they have things. God gave them gifts. They have unique abilities. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And and that that they begin to realize that there's this whole world out there that's that's different and that's in need. Really, you know, there's seven billion people that need a lot of help, and that 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 part of being on this Jesuit path is is realizing that you've been given all this so you can make the world a little bit easier and better for other people. And so, yeah, that's, I, it's the most enjoyable part of the school year is at Thanksgiving time, at Christmas time, and at Easter time when graduates come back and say hello. You know, they're off school for a couple weeks and just to sit down and chit chat and, you know, what are you up to? And just to hear the things that they're in there. Of course, they're being college kids and having their fun, but that they're they're on a path to do something and they they're finding ways that they can make life easier for other people with whatever it is that they're doing and so 
but yeah, it's it's the best. Uh, I just got a text from one of our alums two days ago because the scholarship drive is going on, and he okay. was a, a manager for the soccer team, and we, we wonderful young man, and but he didn't have a lot going through here, and a lot of people helped him, and so now he's graduated from Cleveland State, and he's an engineer, and he just sent me a text and said, hey. I want to buy some scholarship drives from tickets from a kid. And so I want to buy 20 tickets if you could connect me with a student. And so um, and yesterday I found a student that really needed help. And so that's that happens all the time that, you know, that's not just a mm-hmm. once in a while type of thing. So I think that's a common occurrence. That's kind of cool. So the guys come back. They're very proud of where they went to school. While the kids are here, you're instilling in them and other uh, people here on the faculty instilling in them that, that the service you got to you know it's more more beyond you as a student athlete or just a student. How beneficial, not how satisfying is it to see kids switch from a kind of a more of a me centric to a a we we centric feeling and thoughts. Yeah, so the, the program that I run here is the sophomore service program, and and so it, we this is our 48th year that we've done this, and so. We're one of the few, if not the only school in the country that does this during the school day. And so most high school kids have to do service after school or on the weekends. And so the Jesuits since 1972 have been making this happen, um, that it's part of what we do. And so a sophomore for one semester, one day a week, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon, will leave school for three hours and head off to a, a school or a hospital or a daycare um, a refugee center, a cancer home. Um, so there's a variety of different social service agencies, the Westside Catholic Center, and and they go there and, it, you know, get punched in the face, basically. You know, this is the world, and here, yeah. start to absorb it. and Reality. And Boom. that's part of the process that I was telling you about. A kid's realizing, oh, wow, the world's really different than me. And, you know, what what, what how can I make, help someone to smile, or how can I begin to listen to people's stories and figure out how I can impact that positively. And so, so yeah, so, and it happens, like you said before, some kids, oh my, they take to it immediately. And some kids, ah, this isn't quite for me. And, but I, I think our job is to help put kids in environments and, and, and it, it, it hits them at different times. Everybody, you know, mm-hmm. is affected differently at different times. So, um, but yeah, it's wonderful for, you know, if you look at what are the happiest people on earth, the happiest people have a couple things in common. They're grateful, you know, okay. they have a sense of gratitude, um, and they they spend some of their time and energy thinking about others. And those are critical components for just for having a good life. And so if sadly, sometimes people don't realize that till they're 60. Right. But if, if guys can start to see that and think that at 15, 16, it, it, and that's, I think, our main job is to help kids to have a good life. And, yeah, it's going to come from academics, and it's going to come from whatever extracurricular they're involved in, doing things to develop their bodies and so forth. But but I think spiritually, and that's, that's, that's right there at the top. And so Ignatius, when he started his schools 500 years ago, that was a critical piece is that, you, you, of course, you got to learn, but you've, you also have to act and you have to go out into the world and do things to, to, to make others' lives easier. So. Okay, let's, um, can we button this up just a little bit here, Mike, with some, just some talk about soccer. It's, it's kind of cool that we've chatted almost a half hour mm-hmm. and so we really nice. haven't spoken about the sport of soccer. 
How, uh, how do you feel about the future of the sport here in the United States, the way the youth uh, programs are and how they can compete on a national and international level? Yeah, I'm always amazed at everybody. Oh man, soccer, it's been supposed, you know, it's going to make it soon. It's made it. It's, I, I started playing soccer here in the 1970s. Yeah. And so, and there are thousands and thousands, hundred thousands of people like me who we are soccer people. We grew up soccer people. And so um, soccer has made it in America. Yeah. It's here. It's We have a full-fledged professional league. And um, so right now, I, you know, I, I'm looking at all kinds of soccer sites all the time, and I get a Soccer America update every day. And every day it tells me all the American players that are playing around the world. Okay. And there's lots and lots of American kids all over the world playing. And so it's happening. And just like with every national sport, like there's going to be ups and downs. Sure. And right now we're in a little bit of a, a down trying to get things sorted back out. But soccer is, it's aside from China, the United States has the, the most registered soccer players in the world. So yeah. It's, and, they're, it's, and they're obviously starting with a much higher population. Correct. So they're going to win every statistical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so soccer is, it's great here. It's flourishing and we're lucky because soccer is a world game and America's filled with people from around the world. And so in Spain, they play a Spanish style. In England, they play an English style. But part of what we're growing through now is what is our style? Because yeah. we are, for a while, it was the British that brought soccer to America. Then the Germans were involved and and now everybody's looking to Spain and France because they've done better on an international level. And But then what's going on in Africa in soccer is, is tremendous. And South America has a really great style. And so America's lucky because we can build American soccer. And and so I think that's kind of what we're going through now. And um, But I think the pros, we keep adding new teams to the MLS, which is great. Right. Um, and we have one of our St. Ignatius players that plays for Toronto in the NMLS. We've got other younger guys that are trying out for, for other teams in the USL and, and the MLS as well. Um, and then, so in college soccer, they're trying now to make it a year-round sport, which is going to be good for the development of soccer. And and so high school soccer has been tremendous. And, I, you know, it, I think Ohio is one of the top 10 soccer states in America. So there's good soccer players coming out of here. And um, in terms of numbers playing, but also quality, it's it's one of the better states. And so um, and I'm proud of what we've done for Northeast Ohio and, and putting us on the map soccer-wise. And, um, and I grew up playing here, and so I grew up in North Olmsted and yeah. in the 70s, and that was the, 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 the birth of birthplace of soccer in Ohio. And so, you know, it's just, a, it's it's been a game that's helped take me all over the world and meet all kinds of friends. And like I said, tomorrow we're leaving for London for four days. And so it's 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 been incredible. Thanks once again to Mike. Outstanding conversation. I really appreciated the fact that we could sit down and really kind of get inside his head as to how he is motivated to make young athletes greater persons in the grander scheme 
of this thing we call life and then of course make them better athletes better soccer players and so on and so forth very very much an enjoyable chat also was kind of cool to find out that he is a budding ultra marathoner which is something that i have been doing for quite some time now and if you look into the archives there are several episodes where i interview folks that have done some crazy things in the ultra marathoning world including rob steger who ran the triple crown of 200 mile ultra marathons he did that this past summer and i chatted with him on one of my episodes lots of episodes that deal with that and then also the episodes in the archives that deal with high school sports we spoke with chuck kyle the great high school football coach at the same high school as mike that is St. Ignatius. We chatted with him, Steve Trevisano. We have spoken with Ted Ginn Sr. We have had an opportunity to talk to the head football coach over at Cleveland Heights High School, Max Stevens, and so on and so forth. Lots of interviews with high school coaches as well. But thanks again to Mike. Good luck to you, Mike, as you head out onto the trails and try to uh, get that endurance build up to run 100 miles. Now it's on record, buddy. You got to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you the next time here on Tellage Talks.